going to be reading from uh, Romans chapter 8, and I'll read 9 through 18. Um, if you're following along in your pew Bible, you'll see that I go right over a section break. That's because those section breaks were not divinely inspired. The conversation keeps going, and it fits better with what we're talking about. So we're Romans 8, and I will start at verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is the word of the Lord. So we are continuing our uh, Caring Encounters series, which we'll be doing throughout the fall, and we're in the Romans, Roman Road section of it, and um, the Roman Road of Reconciliation, at least that's what we're calling this one, started last or two weeks ago when I talked about, to be honest and full disclosure, where we were um, encouraged to be very real about what we struggle with, just like Paul was. That's that one in a nutshell. It always bothers me that if I can say it in six words why do i have to talk for 20 minutes but i will because i'm supposed to spiritual identity takes a lot more words to explain spiritual identity spiritual identity is in us moving on from where we were thinking boy i'm really struggling to i think there's hope i think there's something that god's calling me to do there's i think there's steps that i can take so be fully aware the first thing, be honest, be real, and secondly, trust and start taking steps as you move forward. And again, just to remind us, um, this whole journey is about learning to be a community of people who can have real conversations, real honest conversations about anything that you could possibly talk about and still hold on to each other um, in the midst of that. How do we have real honest conversations and still hold on to each other? So... Last time we were in the internal struggle, this week we are moving past that internal struggle. So Paul says this in, in chapter 8, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You are not in the realm of just simply having to do whatever your um, passions lead you to. You have the ability to make decisions and to move forward. You are also in the realm of the Spirit. And as you heard from Karen, there's lots of aspects to what the Holy Spirit does 
And we're going to think about what does it mean to allow the Holy Spirit to be the guide and the director of our lives. So past the internal struggle and moving on um, into the work of the Spirit. So the first thing we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ are interchangeable because they're the same thing, they do not belong to Christ. So you'll see that this passage really handily and quickly puts Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together in one sentence and uses them interchangeably just because the assumption is God is all those three people. Now, in my experience, when I try to explain the Trinity, which can't be explained because it's beyond us, um, usually I get people nodding but not in agreement. They're falling asleep. So I want to point you to the heart of the Trinity that draws us in. Because I write interactive overlap with the triune God, which basically means this. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is basically the perfect community, the perfect reality of hospitality. Right? There are three people and one person at the same time. Right? Maybe you have friends like this that when you go there, you feel so at home that it's like they are you and you are them. And, and you, just, you just know that I can be myself here. That's the image of the Trinity as community. And the thing about most really healthy and beautiful communities is they're not satisfied just with themselves, right? God did not form a holy huddle and say, hey, we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here. We don't need you guys. We're going to stand over here and talk. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, God the Father said, we've got to bring more people in on this. They created a world, they extended that hospitality, and they continue to invite us into that community. That's what this is all about, being part of that community. And so when you do devotions, you're not earning points by making sure you've read enough verses and spent enough time in prayer. What you're doing is you're hopefully finding triggers or, or keys or open doors that allow you to enter into that experience of who God is and what it means to be held um, in hospitality by him. And that's what we're looking at. And then giving you new life. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, so pause there for a second. The spirit of God resurrected Jesus, gave him life back when he was dead and buried. That's the spirit that we invite into our lives, that we receive really in baptism. That's the spirit that's guiding his people. And so we have living in us the same power that could bring a dead body out of the grave and back into life, right? Hang on to that thought because that's the confidence we have as we move forward, right? And we need to hang on to believe in and trust that confidence as we move forward. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Last week, if you were here or heard it, Jolene gave you a whole list of different uh, heresies that live in the church and I was playing along as I was listening and going, I can name some of those. One of them was docetism. She was smart. She didn't bother showing off big words that mean nothing to you, like docetism. But anyways, docetism is the one where it only seems like Jesus was human because there's no way God could actually become human. That was always a big stumbling point. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard it so often, you think, of course, Jesus was human and he was God. We've always taught that. But when it was first said... People struggled and they tripped over that. And if you struggle and trip over that, then you also struggle and trip over the fact that God actually wants to transform your present human life into what it was meant to be. 
God is not saying, believe in me, and then someday I'll get you out of here in this broken body of yours, in this messed up world, and we'll do a good thing late somewhere else called heaven. He's saying, no, I by my spirit raise Jesus from the dead bodily so that I can take your bodily struggles, your human struggles, your everyday struggles, and transform them and heal them and help you take steps forward. That's what it means that the spirit lives in you. And then our obligation, always with the obligations, right? I remember, uh, this is probably from Alpha, because most of my really good illustrations come from the Alpha course. There's a story in Alpha where a person said, hey, you should go to church. And they said, I already feel bad enough. Why would I go to church? Wow, that was really lame. (laughs) Sorry. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation And then he spends a long time telling us what the obligation is, and so I shortened that too, but it's not to the flesh. You are not obligated to meet the needs of your desires of your own own natural instincts. One, you will do that all all by itself because you're human, and you have those instincts, and you will work on those things. And he says a whole bunch of other words, so you forget that there's actually an obligation until finally, and I cut half of it out, he says, but if by the Spirit... He never clarifies, so I'm going to clarify for you. Your obligation is to the Spirit. And this is the best obligation you can have because the Spirit's not actually asking you or waiting for you. The Spirit's working on you. Right? So you have an obligation to put up with the fact that the Holy Spirit's at work on you, pricking your conscience, guiding you forward, giving you ideas, putting people's names in your head. Whatever the Spirit's doing, He's doing that to you so that you kind of know this is God's impulse for me this is god's plan for me and his plan is the rest of the verse if by the spirit you put to death put to death the misdeeds of the body you will live now again that line if by the spirit is essential here because check me if i'm wrong but i think this is our human nature i know that's wrong so i shouldn't do it anymore so i'm going to try harder and then i won't do it anymore I got to ask, how's that been working out for you? Right? The Spirit, if by the Spirit means I got to find a way to hang around with God so that His Spirit's working on me on the inside so that my heart is changed. And I don't have to say, boy, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to say, my heart is beating to do the right thing now. And I wish I could give you the simple step, but I can't. This is a long journey. I'll tell you the latest part of um, my journey on that. So I think I told you in the last sermon that I've joined a, a, a pastor's group, and it's based on the book that I call The Stupid Book because it reads me like a book and knows all my problems and challenges me. Um, and this group basically works like this. First, I do Romans 7 with them. I tell them all the things that aren't working really well in my life not sound like a fun group you should join and then most importantly they accept me and they share their stuff and i realize isn't that interesting i'm as messy as the rest of you or the messy the rest of you are as messy as me i don't know if you know that but that's actually what this is that's what church is it's a bunch of messy people coming together and going hey i'm messy you messy yeah i'm messy too all right brother sister that's what this is But that's not where it ends. That's just Romans 7. Then we start realizing that the more often I'm honest with what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm struggling with, 
and share it with other people, it actually starts to change. That's actually the simple truth of how the gospel works. When you're real about who you are before God and another person, that transformation starts to happen because you start realizing, oh yeah, this is what I told those people about. This is me getting angry just like I did that other time. And you process it. Why did I get angry? Where did that come from? What's the, what's the roots in? What's the other stuff in my life? And you start to realize you are beginning to be transformed. All right? So, again, in case that's not an obvious application already, you need to be in some sort of fellowship, some sort of relationship group, where you actually have the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations. And if you're not ready to jump into that, start by thinking, why am I scared of that? That's a good exercise all by itself. What, am I, what do I fear? What might happen? Right? What is my barrier to taking that step? to allowing the Spirit to work on my life. Because I'm guessing nobody's here going, I don't want the Spirit, I don't, I don't want God to work on me. Well, maybe some people are. Most of you probably want the Spirit to work on you. But we all got to be honest, taking that step of actually allowing that to happen, that's the challenge. All right? And then as we enter into this relationship with God and the Spirit and Christ, we recognize this. We're part of an intimate family connection. Here's some of the words. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, I've taught this many times, but I've never had this illustration. Um, Ruth Ann and I just met um, an Israeli family, and the daughter, the adult daughter, calls her dad Abba. And that's so cool to hear when you've read this over and over again you know abba means daddy in aramaic and so on but to hear someone say that and to know that there's this depth of relationship of course father-daughter relationship and hear her go abba is to recognize that's me and god the spirit allows us to say to god daddy i need some help here um i was hearing a friend of mine preached the other day, and um, he shared he shared about God's incredible love. And, and it was his mother he was talking about because he said, my mother has shown me what God's love is all about. And he shared about how um, when he was in his rebellious stage of life, I actually think he's still in it, but never mind. When he was in his most rebellious stage of life, he would actually tell his mom the stupid things he was going to do, the wrong things he was going to do, and she was so loving that she wouldn't really believe him because there's no way her beloved son would possibly do those kinds of things. So he would actually tell on himself and get away with it because she loved him so much. Can you, get, can you begin to feel the depth of what God's love for us is? Because you know that probably by the time we get together again next week, you're going to mess something up along the way, right? That's Romans 7 again. But understand this, that Never does that make God go, well, hey, that's it then. You're out of the family. You're off the team. No, it makes him go, all right, come back in. Come back in. I still love you. I loved you before you did that. I loved you knowing you might do that. I love you now. And I'm going to love you into confession, not love you because you confess. That's how loving God is. You get to call him Abba. spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children folks 
you need to take enough time in your life to actually listen to what God might be saying to you. And if you're not hearing, you're my child, and I love you, keep listening or help have someone help you listen. Um, we have this intimate family relation connection with God. And then healthy families are safe because the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you, again, live in fear. Right? So earlier when I asked what's stopping you from finding a place where you can be honest about who you really are, common answer is fear. Right? I gathered a group of pastors once and I said, only come to this group if you're willing to answer this question. Why aren't you doing ministry the way you know you're supposed to do ministry? Right? So it wasn't a question of we should learn how to do ministry. We said, we know what we're supposed to be doing. Why aren't you doing that? It was a very short meeting. We all knew right away, it's fear. I'm scared of what people might think. I'm scared I might fail. I'm scared of all kinds of things. Right? And so sitting with the Spirit is saying, Abba, Daddy, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. And having him say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll walk with you. We are the community of people who represent Jesus to each other so that when someone says, I'm scared, I'm lost, I tripped, we can say, I'm with you because Jesus is with you. We're in this together. And then he gives us everything we need for life. That wasn't enough. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And I left the footnote in there for the same reason I always do, to remind me to tell you what the footnote says. So normally the NIV, at least the version I use, makes it um, gender neutral. It's brothers and sisters, not just brothers, right? Gets rid of the, you get what I'm saying. But here it says sonship because the word used in the original Greek is, I just got this from the footnote, I didn't look it up, don't worry. I don't even read Greek really. Sonship is an official Roman term for the inheritor, right? So he didn't just make us children. He made us all in some strange way because we're in Christ, the inheriting child. So whatever it is that Christ earned on the cross, whatever it is that Christ has by virtue of being the son of God himself, that's ours. So if you're wondering, I wonder if I've got what it takes to do the kind of work that allows me to dare to step out in faith and take that next spiritual step. Oh, you got it all right. You've got everything. Anything God has in his store, he's given to Christ. And anything Christ has, you have because you are in Christ. That's our identity. We're co-heirs with Christ. This is the hope. This is the vision. This is the picture that God gives to us. And then this. If indeed we share in his sufferings, nor that we may also share in his glory, and that's where the section break was, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So maybe your fear is right there. Your fear is... If I'm real, if I go on this journey, if I take whatever next step about being honest about my reality, I'm going to suffer. That's going to hurt. 
And to be honest, full disclosure again, sharing what's really going on in your life does usually hurt. It hurts emotionally especially. But here, Paul, this is what we need to believe. This is what death and resurrection is all about. This is the basic Christian story. That suffering is nothing compared to what you'll receive if you actually take that step. Right? And this isn't talking, suffer through this world so that sometime later you can receive it. This is talking about right now in your mortal body, dare to take whatever step Christ calls you to, to move forward in your faith, and then also receive in this life the blessings. Seeing God at work. So I visited Henny Dreistra this week. He told me I had to, so I went. You all know Henny, right? And she's there with her new knee, and it moves about like this. And she can get up and stand on it, and it's terrifying to watch because you can see how much pain there is there. And we started talking about physiotherapy. And these aren't her words, but my version of her words. She's looking forward to it. She knows it's going to hurt terribly, right? Because they're always going to make her stretch it a little bit farther than it stretches right now, and that always hurts. But she knows, right? She knows that she goes through that and puts up with that suffering. That's going to be nothing compared to being able to actually walk the right way again at a future date. A small picture of what we are called to in Christ. He says, yeah, you'll have to join in my sufferings. I showed you the way, right? Jesus on the cross was showing us the way, saying it's by dying that you get raised to new life. It's by letting go and putting down, by being honest, that you get to that place where you receive that next step on that journey. It it has struck me that this hospitality of the Holy Spirit that I started with, This very idea of inviting others in has the word hospital in it. I know that's no surprise. But what what in the world do hospitality and hospitals have to do with each other? Because I don't go visit the hospital just because, hey, those are really nice people. I go there when there's something broken or sore or sick. What do I let them do? In cases like Henny's, I let them cut me open. I let them put me to death, really. That's what going under is and bring me back to life again i don't even know these people sometimes and i actually allow them to hurt me intensely because i believe that this suffering is worth it to get to the glory that's on the other side jesus god the holy spirit are inviting us to take that step of entering into his hospitality and allowing him that healing work in our lives as well. So I leave you with this question. What stands between you and taking spiritual steps forward? Think on that and wonder on that. I'm going to close by reading the message version. Eugene Peterson is an amazing man. He rewrote the Bible in his own words. And I often say what he actually manages to do is to give you a sermon in no more words than the Bible wrote. So much more efficiently than me. So here, this is just some of the Romans 8 passage. When God lives and breathes in you as he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. When his spirit 
living, when his spirit is living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons us. There's things to do and places to go, he says. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get exactly what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. And we go through exactly what Christ goes through. And so if we go through the hard times with him, then we'll certainly go through the good times with him as well. And we're going to sing, so I invite you guys forward, an amazing song. I bugged Ruth Ann this week by going, why did you pick this song? How does it fit? And she goes, what? Now this song nails it. This allows you to feel what we've been talking about this morning as we sing. Please rise and join.